0: It's good to see you today. My name is Carrie, and as lead pastor, thanks for coming to be a part of not just a worship service of celebration because he is risen, but coming to be a part of something I believe is rather mystical, and that is that Jesus, who we worship this morning, who was raised from the grave, is alive here through his spirit, and that Jesus wants to speak to you. Have you ever heard the voice of God? Can you imagine them on that Easter morning hearing the voice of Jesus, the one that had been crucified? How in the world could this possibly be? He who was dead is now alive. It was the angel that said in Matthew 28, 6, He is not here, He has risen, just as He said. You know, Jesus predicted not only His death, but He also predicted His resurrection. Anybody here predicted their resurrection this morning? Jesus Christ, we tried to sort of unpack the week, beginning last week with Palm Sunday, to say, you know, time comes and goes so quickly, especially during the spring season, looking towards summer, trying to do the finish the schooling thing, get the job responsibilities done. And before you know it, here it is, Easter and boom, it's gone. I trust this last week that you've been able to take the last seven and now the eighth day, to really hear from God, speaking into your life, and to remember his life that was lived, but also the life for you yet to live because he is indeed alive. On Palm Sunday, he came in, right, to the, the Jerusalem's temple, triumphant. Here's our Messiah. This is the one we long awaited for. He's gonna like do in the Romans and, and help us overtake our city again and let us be free. The Jewish people had hoped. Here's our Messiah. And so they proclaimed the hosannas. They laid down the palm branches and their cloaks, and they gave accolades to him. And, and after that momentous time, wow, it was a pretty cool celebration, right? Uh, Jesus turned around with his disciples and went back outside Jerusalem to a suburb in Bethany. And he stayed with his friends, probably Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, who had raised from the grave. And, and so he was with them, and then the next day he went back in with his disciples He cursed the fig tree because it didn't bear any fruit. And and that was because, you know, it was foreshadowing the curse really coming upon the nation of Israel. And and he got to the temple and he was indignant about what he saw happening there because it had turned into a place of commerce and cheating and, and people were selling things and it wasn't a house of prayer. And so he turned over some tables, he got some people upset and they began to plan his demise. Who is this one? Why does he do this? He went back in again and, and did some teaching interaction with the Pharisees, Sadducees on Tuesday. Wednesday was silent. We don't know anything from Scripture that happened on Wednesday. But then Thursday, he went back into Jerusalem again with his disciples. And he told them to prepare for the Passover, the Jewish tradition reflecting back on when Jesus freed, when God freed the Israelites from Egypt. And they passed over wherever the blood was over the doorframe and the plagues and the child, firstborn child, wasn't killed in that home. So they had celebrated this all these hundreds of thousands of years. And so they celebrated Passover and Jesus was going to do that with them. But in the moment of Thursday night, that Monday Thursday as we refer to it today, Jesus was going to show himself as the one who would be the ultimate sacrifice for the atonement of sins. And so they broke the bread representing his body. They dipped it in the juice, and they, and they partook of the communion elements. We partook of those on Good Friday this past weekend. But then it was at evening time. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he poured out his heart to God in his suffering. If this cup can pass from me, please let it pass. He wanted to be obedient to the Father's will, but in his full humanity, he was in anguish and his suffering. And we looked at that last week. And then at around midnight, here came The troops. Led by Judas. Judas betraying him for 30 pieces of silver. Judas was so messed up and heartbroken and devastated, he didn't even make it to Good Friday. He hung himself because he betrayed Jesus. And they took Jesus through these mock kind of trials, probably five or six different kinds of trials, from, from Pilate to Herod and back to Pilate, and the Jewish people the Sanhedrin were the first, and, and they crucified him on that Friday. And darkness came over the earth when he died. At 3 p.m. in the afternoon he gave up his spirit and said it was finished. They took him down from the cross. They placed him in a tomb. It wasn't a good Friday night. And it was a silent Saturday. Grief, loss. The one they thought would be the Messiah was dead. But then, but then, the next morning, the next morning, he rose. Totally unexpected. That which was destroyed on the cross on Friday was resurrected to new life on that Sunday morning. Do you believe God can take your broken life this morning? I don't care how you've fallen. It said there's many angles in which you can fall, but there's only one angle you can stand straight, and that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe that whatever destruction, heartache, disappointment, despair, that's a part of your life right now, that God can take that brokenness and raise it to new life? Because that's what we're here to celebrate. And God wants to speak to you His word of affirmation. We sing songs about His resurrection, but He wants to say to you and to me that He is the resurrection and the life for whatever dimension. I don't know what brought you here this morning. I'm glad to see you. Usually our lives are pretty busy coming and going. We have a larger group on Easter in part because everybody says, hey, we're going to pick this Sunday to show up, right? And that's good. Or maybe you're not connected too much to church, and I'm glad you're here. We're here not just to have a service. We're here to hear from God to speak about our lives. And I think it's sort of mystical that the Jesus who rose from the grave is actually here through His Spirit. The Word says, wherever two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst. It's been a great Passion Week for me. I trust it's been a great Passion Week for you. Now, it was interesting, wasn't it? On uh, I believe it was Monday. There was um, some news. Do you remember the news that happened the first part of the week? If If you turned your television on, you saw this picture right here. Notre Dame, the famed cathedral of 850-some years, I believe, in Paris, France, caught fire. They believe now that maybe it was an electrical short or whatever. And it just started to take off and rip apart the whole roof. And the steeple came crashing down and people were looking on with amazement. And we were looking on around the world going, no. That's not right. I remember somebody posted it on Facebook, and I flipped through Facebook, and I said, no, that can't be. And I turned on the TV, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Such a famed cathedral. Some of you have been in that cathedral, and when we saw this happen, our hearts just sort of sunk. Like, oh, how tragic. How sad. And for me and my family, there was a little bit extra sadness, and maybe you have been there, but we were able to go there in October this past year. Melissa and I were able to go with our two oldest sons, Ryan and Zach. And, and we stood, there's our a selfie picture in front of the big towers of Notre Dame. Ryan had been there before, so he was showing us around and we went inside. And he says, oh, you guys, you got to sit here after we'd looked around and, and saw the history and some of the statues and the beautiful rose uh, 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 bud, uh, stained glass. We sat there and he says, hey, put these ear pods in. And he said, listen to this hymn music. And it was a beautiful worship experience sitting there in Notre Dame. Devastating, though. What a fire can do and crushing and destroying something. Our hearts were heavy. It's like, wow, what does this mean? Not just for Paris, but what, what does that really mean? You know, you have these famed cathedrals. It's like right up there at the top. You can't really, Can you really restore that kind of thing? I guess they'll try and stuff, but it's never quite the same when you carry it through the centuries. People worshiping God in a place of sacredness. Now, we don't have stained glass windows today. Well, some churches do, I guess. It was the light from the outside shining through. We have video screens so we can do a video, right? All of that was for the purpose of helping us worship God but if you worship a building if you worship an institution or rituals or icon that's not what God came to do God came to have you worship him as he told the woman at the well in spirit and in truth and we worship Jesus Because he is with us, if we are a follower of him, we don't go to the temple, we take the temple with us. Jesus himself said there is one coming after, I mean, there is something coming after that is greater than the temple, and he was referring to himself. You know, it's interesting with Jesus. He was always sort of saying things that would get him in trouble. Are you one of those kinds of people? You got good company. And he wasn't some soft kind of person, tiptoe around things. He was pretty bold. He was pretty straightforward. And he was pretty straightforward about himself. In fact, that's why they crucified him, because he started to claim to be God, right? That was blasphemous to a Jew, that you would claim to be God. Well, Jesus is hanging on the cross, and they pull back what they thought were some statements he made And began using them against him. They had seen some of the miracles, some of the things that he had done. And so they began proclaiming to him that uh, uh, he really wasn't who he said he was. You know, this all took place outside the temple courts. The crucifixion did. Jesus hanging on the cross overlooking the temple. The trials that had been there. This is a depiction of what the temple looked like. in the time of Jesus. If you've been to Israel and the Temple Mount, it's massive. Except that that temple, which has the outer court, the inner court, and the tall part is the Holy of Holies, it doesn't exist today. Do you know why? Because like Notre Dame, Cathedral, this last week, it was destroyed. It was destroyed. It was destroyed a mere 40 years after Jesus was crucified. It was destroyed, and who was it destroyed by? It was destroyed by the Romans. It was destroyed by the Romans because they were fed up with Israel, the Jewish people at that time. It wasn't destroyed foremostly by a fire. It was destroyed by an enemy. We have record of the destruction of this temple, not from the scriptures, as much as from the historian that's well-respected by the name of Josephus. And Josephus says this concerning the temple and its destruction in 70 AD. The rebels shortly after attacked the Romans again, the Jewish rebels. And a clash followed between the guards of the sanctuary and the troops who were putting out the fire inside the inner court. The latter routed the Jews and followed in hot pursuit right up to the temple itself. Then one of the soldiers, without awaiting any orders and with no dread or so momentous a deed, but urged on by some supernatural force, snatched a blazing piece of wood and carrying on another... Being "...climbing on another soldier's back, hurled the flaming brand through a low golden window that gave access on the north side to the rooms that surrounded the sanctuary. As the flames shot up, the Jews let out a shout of dismay that matched the tragedy. They flocked to the rescue with no thought of sparing their lives or husbanding their strength. For the sacred structure that had constantly guarded, they had constantly guarded with such devotion was vanishing before their eyes. Jesus on the cross outside the temple mount on a place called the place of the skull, Gagatha, being crucified between two criminal thieves. Roman crucifixion was for criminals, insurgents, sinful people. Jesus was sinless. Why in the world was he on a cross? and they would walk in. The heaviness of heart that I experienced in part in watching the Notre Dame Cathedral burn this week, I thought, what would have it been like for the Jewish people looking on their temple to see it burned and destroyed to the ground in 70 A.D.? That's, that's what we worship. Worship God and offer the sacrifices. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? and they were scattered, and it's never been restored to this very day. In fact, a Muslim Dome of the Rock is on that temple mount today. This is one of those days where it gets a little confusing and dicing in Jerusalem. And rightfully so. Who controls what? Who's rightful place to what? But that temple was destroyed. And so when he was hanging there on the cross, they brought back some words of Jesus that he had said prior they misunderstood those words and so they were throwing them out at him. They were sort of mocking him and ridiculing him. Here he was, this one who they thought uh, was so great and who his enemies thought, well, he's, he's, he's messing up our territory, our power. Matthew 27, verse 39 He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants. For he said, I am the Son of God. Can you imagine the mocking and the ridicule? Jesus is on the cross as the Son of God listening to this. You ever been falsely accused? It's hard not to defend yourself. Jesus in the trials with Herod and others, he chose not to defend himself. He knew the game that they were up in, and he knew what he had to do to submit to the Father's will. And they were were declaring, he says, hey, hey, you who said you would destroy the temple, you terrorist? Did Jesus say he would destroy the temple? No. Not quite. They mistook a declaration he had said earlier. They misconstrued it. The declaration can be found in John 2, after another time when he went into the Temple Mount and, 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 and cast the people away and say, you know, you don't destroy my father's house this way. And they said, Hey, 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 the Jews said in John 2.18. They responded to him, well, What gives you the right? What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do what you're doing in this temple? Where's your credentials? Show me your badge. Where's your diploma? Are you even a licensed pastor? What are you doing in here? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. You want to see a sign? Watch this. Well, they took those words, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days, and they misconstrued it. They replied, it is taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he'd said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. <laughs> I'm sorry, I really do hope that there's, there's a video room in heaven for us to go back and recapture these moments. Here he is, and they say, well, what authority do you have? He says, I'll show you a sign. Destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it again. What? What? You're going to rebuild Notre Dame in three days? You're crazy. It took 46 years to build this. And you're going to destroy it? Where's their minds at? They, They were intimidated by this one who had not only authority, but he had power. And he had a following of people. He was purifying the religion of that day and setting forth the opportunity for you and I to have a relationship with God today through his sacrifice on the cross and the power of his resurrection. But here he is on that cross, just a period of time later, really, because it went pretty fast, I would think, is three years. And he said, I am not... Destroying the temple. That's what they accused him of. He said, "If you destroy this temple, I will raise it in three days." He wasn't in some arrogance, kind of spirit, like, "Hey, man, what's this." I mean, the guy created the world, right? The Lord did. He said, "You destroy this; the temple will be destroyed. Your hearts will be sickened. You will be crushed. But destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it." He was referring to himself because he was doing this. Catch this. He was shifting the whole set of worship from the building and the institution and the rituals in one sense. He was trying once again to shift it away from that and getting on his personhood of who he was. I am the temple, is what he was saying. Jesus, he had power like no other. And if he said, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it again, he could do it. He said these words in John 10, 17. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. But look at this. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from the Lord. <laughs> look what it says. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said... He's demon-possessed, and he's just raving mad. Why listen to him? You know, it's said concerning Jesus Christ, you really only have three options. You only have three options here today. Your family only has three options. Your friends only have three options. Either Jesus Christ is a liar, he's a lunatic, or he really is the Lord. You have to decide. These Jews here were deciding that he was a lunatic. He's raving mad. He's demon-possessed. Who in the world stands up and said, says, I lay down my life, I have the power to do that, and I have the power to pick up my life. Are any of you in this room planning on raising yourself from the grave after you pass away? You wouldn't even comprehend such a thing, because you know you have no power to do that. But Jesus did. They're hanging on the cross, being ridiculed and mocked. Oh, he said, destroy the temple in three days. I'll raise it. Why don't you call yourself down? You said you were a son of God. Come on. Jesus, let it pass. Good Friday night. Silent Sunday. Easter Sunday morning. Easter Sunday morning. Changes everything. For on Easter Sunday morning, it was found that the tomb was empty. In John 20, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away. And so she ran to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord and we do not know where they have laid him. And so the two disciples ran ahead to the tomb. And the disciple whom Jesus loved ran ahead faster and arrived at the tomb first. And stooping and looking into the tomb, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he himself did not go in. And then Simon Peter came also. And he went into the tomb and he saw the linen wrappings lying there and the face cloth which covered his head, not with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. And then the other disciple entered, and he saw and he believed. For as yet they did not understand what he had said, that he'd have to rise again from the dead. And so they went away, again to their own homes. But Mary Magdalene was standing outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped and she looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white seated there. One at the head and one at the foot where the body of Jesus had been lying. And the angels said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because... They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned, and she saw Jesus, but did not recognize that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she said, supposing he was the gardener, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus, Jesus said to her, Mary. And she exclaimed in in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, stop clinging to me, for I have not ascended to the Father yet. But go and tell my brethren that I send to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And so Mary Magdalene came to the disciples and said, I have seen the Lord, and told them what He had said. Now on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were gathered behind closed doors for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst. And he said to them, Peace be with you. And then he showed them his hands and his side where the sword had been. And the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said again to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he'd said this, he breathed on him and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whenever you forgive the sins of another, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of another, they have been retained. Now Thomas, one of the disciples, also called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. And so they were saying to him later, We have seen the Lord. And Thomas... He says unless unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails and place my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side I will not believe. And so eight days later they were again inside and Thomas was with them. Jesus came the door having been shut. And Jesus said to Thomas, reach here your finger and see my hand. Reach here your hand and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, because you have seen me, do you believe? Blessed are they who have not seen and yet believe. Friends, the resurrection changes everything. And their world was changed that day and the world itself was changed that day. Even our calendar is changed because of the life of Christ And you and I have hope that our lives that are sometimes in destructive nature, maybe there's fires burning now, that they can be raised from the ashes. And he who laid his life down and picked it back up in three days has the power to change and transform your life and mine today. That is the good news. We're not just here celebrating some type of religious event of history past. We're here celebrating the living Lord Jesus Christ. And he can appear to you even if you're a doubting Thomas today. If you will genuinely seek him. He who seeks me will find me when he seeks me with all of his heart, the Scripture says. If you're a doubting Thomas, did Jesus really pick his life back up after laying it down? Did he he really do that? There's on the back of your program some further reading. And one of those is Lee Strobel's book, The Case for Christ. As a personal investigation, he sought out as an atheist to disprove the claims of Christ and came to believe in the claims of Christ. Just be honest with yourself. Don't believe in the resurrection because it's the churchy Jesus thing to do here today. Do you really believe? Because this is one of the most important questions you will ever be asked in all of eternity. Do you believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead? Because if you do, there's action steps you need to take. And those action steps are beautiful steps. Can you comprehend, Mary? We're going to step into this series next week. I'll trust you come back, especially if you don't have a home church. We'd love to have you. We're, We're just going to take a few weeks and talk about when Jesus actually uses the name of someone. And here Jesus, she thought he was the gardener. His resurrected body looked a little bit different, yet enough alike. And he said to her, Mary. And he says your name today too. How will you respond? She's hugged him so tight, probably squeezed him back to death again. Stop clinging to me, he said, I'm not yeah, I'm here for a few more days on this earth before I ascend to the Father. It's the most important question you and I will ever answer is if we believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and he is who he says he is. What he did in being raised from the dead, laying his life down, picking up again, that shows he has the authority, he has the divine nature. He is God himself. He was not just some religious teacher or prophet. And neither was he a crazy man. He was God himself. Come in the flesh to redeem your life and mine. Have you acted upon that event which we celebrate today. 1 Corinthians fifteen seventeen says this, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, and we gave reference to that on Good Friday, so in Christ all will be made alive. Friends, simply this, This morning, because Jesus was resurrected physically alive, I can be resurrected fully alive on Easter today and resurrected eternally alive after death. You see, this is what happens if you believe in the resurrection and claim Jesus Christ as your Lord and begin to follow Him from this day forward if you've never have before. The Jesus who was alive, who ascended to the Father, sent His very Spirit. He breathed on them the Holy Spirit, His very Spirit. That Spirit, mystical, comes and indwells within you, possesses you, if you will, and His very life is there. So all your sins that were forgiven at the cross, past, future, and present, are covered there, but His righteousness comes and dwells within you. So when you want to go to a perfect heaven or you want to be in His presence and serve His purposes on this earth, you don't rely on your own goodness because all have sinned and fall short. But His presence within us as the resurrected Lord comes and makes us fully alive. And He can take your destruction today, reorder it, give you a pathway of hope. And not only for this life can you be fully alive, you will be eternally alive because this body will go to the grave unless the Lord returns before then. And in its decay, God will raise up all who are followers of Christ and give them an eternal body, an immortal body that's able to live forever. And you and I live in His presence as resurrected, redeemed children of the Most High God. There is nothing you got on your schedule this week, this year, or in your life that matches that experience and that journey. Don't miss out on what it means to be fully alive in Christ. You know, was at Lazarus' resurrection, you know, who he was staying with outside Jerusalem. He said in that, he said this, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And so that's the question that stands before us. And because of that resurrection, it's the reason that Ephesians 2, verse 4 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves by going to any cathedral or checking in at a church how many times during a year. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And that gift is available to you today. The resurrected life through Jesus Christ, fully alive today and eternally alive after you face death. I'm going to do something here this morning. As the band comes, I want to give you the opportunity to make good on a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and have been and you rejoice today, but maybe you live life in the question mark and you do not know for sure. You do not know for sure that you are fully alive in Christ today through His Spirit dwelling within you, and you're not sure that you would have a resurrected body when Christ comes again or will you pass from this life and He raises all the dead who are in Him. And so I'm going to give you the opportunity before we sing a great song to close out to make a profession of faith in Jesus. And it's sort of can be said as simple as ABC, but it's not easy. And so with this, I want you just to reflect if you've ever gone this path to receive the one who laid down his life and raised it again. And who is speaking to you this morning concerning your present life and the life to come. As simple as ABC, but I want you to know that it is not easy because it takes humility. It takes a brokenness of life to come before the Lord and acknowledge who He is and who you're not. The ABC is this. The first is to admit. Admit I'm a sinner and in the need of God changing me. Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as the sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. What happened in the temple was continuous sacrifices for sin. When Jesus came as the spotless lamb who was slain on the cross, he provided the once and for all atonement for all sins through all ages. Through all days of your life. It was sufficient and complete. He was sinless, the perfect sacrifice. When the temple was destroyed, never rebuilt again. In fact, there's a lot of questioning whatever happened to all the sacrificial system, the Jewish people, why aren't there the shedding of uh, isn't there the shedding of blood and, and lambs and other sacrifices for the provision of sin? Why isn't there the, the going into the most holy of holy place of the high priest, the chief priest once a year to offer sacrifice and, and the incense in order to be able to have that provision? Well, the reason is because eternally it's no longer needed. The temple now is Jesus. And that temple can come and dwell in you. And what He did on the cross, I don't care how bad you have been or what type of mess you are right now. Everything can be forgiven by Jesus. You never say, I have to clean up my act to come to Jesus. You can't clean up your act. Jesus is the one who cleans it through his blood. But you have to come and you have to admit, I am a sinner and I need God to change me. As we looked at Friday, that's not something our culture enjoys saying too much. The word sin is taboo. But we have to admit we're sinners first. A. Hey. The second is to believe in Jesus, His claims, His words, and His works. A familiar passage, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God, He didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world. He sent Him to save the world. Do you believe? And again, if you don't, go on that journey. Make it a front burner issue in your life. What do you really believe about Jesus? Liar, lunatic, or Lord? A, admit that you're a sinner. B, you believe in Him. But that belief just isn't a mere cognitive belief. It really has to come to the third. And that is C, confess confess Jesus as my Lord and that he was raised from the dead you have to place your trust in that which you believe to be true because when you believe in the Lord Jesus you're actually believing into the Lord Jesus Christ is what it means in the original language and so you have to trust him you have to let go I trust him Romans 10 9 10 says if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you can profess your faith and are saved. ABC. Admit, believe, and confess. It's simple, but it's not easy. Have you ever crossed that line of faith? What we have to offer you today is nothing from this church. We have to offer you the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ and Jesus himself. I want you to bow your heads and we're going to pray before we sing to close. And if you want to receive Jesus today as your Savior and Lord, I'm going to invite you to do the ABC. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning that we're able to worship you in spirit and truth. We're thankful today that you have died for our sins on the cross and that you've been raised from the grave, showing not only your authority, but your power to change broken So Lord, across this room with heads bowed and eyes closed if there's anyone who wants to cross that line of profession of faith I invite them to pray this simple prayer before you. Lord Jesus, I admit that I am in a sinful state, an indifferent state, a backslidden state. I admit that I'm a sinner and I need you to change my life. And Jesus, I believe in you and who you are who you said you were and the works that you did I believe in you Jesus the one who was slain and now Jesus I confess you as my Lord not my family's Lord not my friends Lord but my Lord I confess you as my Lord come into my life Jesus and I proclaim that you have been raised from the dead Come into my life, and from this day forward with your ability helping me, I will live for you. So I admit, I believe, and I confess. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Make me anew. Amen. Have you prayed that prayer? I say, welcome to the kingdom of God. On the back of your connection card is a place to mark that you're committing your life to Christ. Mark that. We want to follow up with you. We want to be here for you. This is a great song for us to end with. Because death has been arrested. And we are now alive because of Christ.